0: Today we're kicking off a new series called "The Better Kingdom." Well, the the the, the no, t- that's the message today. The new series is called "The Upside Down Kingdom," and what what I want to have you think about for just a moment: what heaven is going to be like one day. Can we even describe what heaven's going to be like? It's impossible. In fact, people, people who have, have died and been revived try to describe heaven and they, they can't, they, they, they don't have the vocabulary to describe what it is they saw. And so, at the time of Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth, there was, a, there was very little understanding of heaven. They didn't understand it. And so Jesus is being sent to the earth and he is revealing God the Father, but his job was also to reveal heaven to the earth. And it is so difficult for us to grasp what heaven might be like because we are just inundated with the realities of everyday life. I don't know about you, I am a see it to believe it person. And so, obviously, everything I see is easy for me to believe. And you start talking about heaven, and it's just like, boy, you, you know, I really need to see it, right? That—that's th- those are the kind of statements or thoughts that I have when you talk about heaven. And so Jesus comes from heaven by the Father to reconcile men to God, but His goal was to help us see the hope that awaits in eternity. I want to pray. God, as we open up to the true realities of why we were created, Lord, with eternal purpose, God, I pray that each and every one of us, we can separate our flesh from our spirit, God, we can, we can remove fleshly thoughts that we have when we, when we try to apply your word. And God, we will see things with spiritual eyes to understand you more. I thank you in Jesus' name. God, God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, I, I have some good news for you before I dive into the word. There, you know, there are updates going around, uh, on around here all the time. And one of the things that we have done recently is I ordered uh, new chandeliers for here in the sanctuary. And I don't know if you're aware, each one of these chandeliers holds six bulbs. So for this entire room, there's 36 bulbs, okay? We ordered new chandeliers that are 24 bulbs per chandelier. It is going to be 144 light bulbs in this room. So I was, I was telling Brian, who, who is an electrician, I said, you know, we're going to need a dimmer on this because we're going to be blinding people here soon. And so we're going we're gonna to do that. So they might be coming this week. Doesn't mean they're going to be installed this week. But I just want you guys to have things to look forward to because I value people who take notes, right? Not that I think I have anything great to say, but I know what the Spirit of God says, and I know that we can take what we've heard and we can try to apply it to our lives. And so I value note takers. I value people who bring a Bible and read it. Lord knows everyone has a smartphone. Do you know you have the ability to just get a Bible on your smartphone? It's free. It's free. I just encourage you to download the Bible app or bring your Bible, write in your Bible. It's a great tool to have with you at all times, especially in church. Amen? Amen? If you would open to Luke chapter 6. This whole series that we're talking about, it, it's right here in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is opening up the realities of heaven to the people that he is ministering to. And he starts off Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And we're going to read right now just verse 12 and 13, then we're going to skip to verse 17. It says, It says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. So what we're learning here, and they go on to name the 12 apostles, that there are many who are his disciples. Jesus has many followers, but he is choosing just 12 as his inner circle. And so we're going to pick up verse 17. Listen to this instruction. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him. And he healed everyone. Who says amen to that? Then Jesus turned his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil? Because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised false prophets. You might say, Pastor, that's a strange place to end. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus is doing is he is revealing to his people the kingdom of God. He is revealing people the kingdom of God. And so everything that he is stating seems like backwards thinking from what we know and understand here on the earth. But notice how Jesus starts all this off. Before he told told those who will be blessed and those who will be in sorrow, He gave them evidence of the kingdom itself. Because I don't know about you. When Jesus heals, people follow. When Jesus heals, people start showing up because they want to see. So us here at the church... When we believe that the Spirit of God can come down, and the Spirit of God can do a work inside of us, and that we can see the the people healed of their diseases, when we can see people set free by demonic oppression and possession, we understand that we are serving a God who has enabled and empowered us to do those things, and it is not by our power, it's by His And so we come into this place believing that when we gather together, God can do those things in greater measure. It's evidence of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus heals, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. It's obvious. And so Jesus comes down to the earth and he he displays His power and the kingdom of God to mankind. And as a byproduct of that, healing takes place. And he healed people of their diseases. It said he cast out evil spirits by those tormented. It says that everyone who reached out to touch him was healed. Because of the healing power that went out from him. Church, I don't know if you're aware of this, but people are craving so much beyond what this world can offer that when when they see a glimpse of the supernatural and when all of a sudden they're seeing it and they're saying, well, that doesn't seem tangible, but here it is right in front of my face, they say, I want more of that. And so they're reaching out for him saying, I need that. Think about it in man's terms before Jesus Christ and even those who don't know Jesus. Mankind is searching for things that are elusive. Who loves Indiana Jones? You ever watch some Indiana Jones? The third Indiana Jones. And there's this quest for the Holy Grail, right? And what, if, if they got a hold of that Holy Grail and they drank from the cup, what was supposed to happen? Long life, Right? That that idea of eternal life. And I can think how mankind, even in the products that you can buy nowadays, it's striving for this idea of having long life, but yet we still know that all people die, right? We know that. We accept that. Think about how doctors, they're frantically working to cure what seems like impossible diseases. Yet God in his almighty power can heal Instantly. He can heal instantly. And now we know, we, we serve a God that we understand that nothing on this earth is perfect. And God can heal you of your disease, but one day you are still going to die, right? We know that one day you are still going to die, and we all do, but what God is doing, God is giving us, listen to this, God is giving us a glimpse of heaven. so that we can see the presence of God and his mighty power and get that glimpse of the kingdom you guys catching that so there's all these people they're witnessing what Jesus can do people are immediately following uh, falling in love with him and because here you have someone who is fully man Jesus is also fully God, and he is operating out of a pure heart with complete love for people. Now imagine before Christ, someone else had that power. They're just fully man, not fully God. And they can wield this power, and they can heal at will, they can do whatever it is they want. And I argue that if any of us had that power, we would abuse it like, you know what? They're a good person. I think, I think I'll allow them to be healed. I don't like them. I don't care if they die. You know, those are the kind of thoughts that we have. We, we would abuse something like that. But here we have God in the flesh displaying His power and it gives us a glimpse of what pure peace looks like, what pure healing looks like, and what freedom will be like one day in heaven. That's what that is. It's God giving you a glimpse of the kingdom. Who wants a glimpse of the kingdom this morning? Amen. We, as people, we cry out for it. And, and those people, they sought just to touch Him to get a small feeling of what it would be like. And it compels people to follow out after Him. Church, I don't know if you're aware of this. Those things are called power encounters. An encounter with the power of God. And those power encounters, what they do is they bear witness to something greater beyond our understanding. And when people witness those things and they realize it's anything better than the earth can offer, they want it, they desire it. And so these people had an encounter with the power of God. And that was compelling, and so they followed him. Listen to Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How often do you think what it would have been like to witness what Jesus was doing? Wouldn't you have loved to be there and see everything that he was doing? But here's the thing in John chapter 16, Jesus teaches us that it's actually better that he go and that we walk with his Holy Spirit. And he further instructs. Check this out. He further instructs in Mark chapter 16 that you will do greater things, you'll do greater things. He's commanded us to carry his cross, pick up that cross of suffering, pick up that mantle, and do the same thing. Who knows, you have been gifted with the same power through the Holy Spirit. Say amen. You have been gifted with the same power through the Holy Spirit. There better be more amens this time. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. Witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But it's important for you, as you saw Jesus model it, that that power comes from God. It's not from us. And so God, he entrusts you to reveal his kingdom to the world. He is entrusting you with that. So no matter, I I want you to catch this because some of you are like, Pastor, you're not speaking the message I need to hear today because I've got a lot of circumstances in my life and we need to work through that first. I want you to hear me out. No matter your circumstances, God changes us to be kingdom-minded once we follow Jesus. Are you hearing me? When we change our mindset when we understand His provision, and we know what it means to step out in faith, that's when we can be used. And when you embrace and adopt that mindset, that means that material goods, they don't mean as much anymore. They might just be a means of how you minister. And we as people, we should be more concerned about connecting people with a God who sent his son to die for them that they might be forgiven and that they might receive the gift of eternity in heaven. That should be our greater concern. But so many people are just worried about themselves and how they're going to be taken care of. But here's the thing that you need to embrace. God revealed through us requires your action. It requires your faith. It requires your trust in his power. Because if you do, there are blessings that await. It's 2001. I'm 21 years old. And my wife and I are on an internship in Papua New Guinea. And we take this uh, ride, it's about a four hour ride. And it is over some of the sketchiest roads you've ever seen. We were there in the dry season, or they call it the not-so-wet season. There's the wet season and the not-so-wet season. And as we're going up these mountains, good catch, Aaron. Um, as we're going up these mountains, there are ruts this deep with mud. I'm not exaggerating, right, my wife? Okay. And so we're making sure we're not going into those ruts that we're staying on, on top of the road as best as we can. And we come up to this bridge, and there, there are tons of villagers around this bridge that, are, that seems out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a truck full of people trying to go over this bridge. And th- this is a wooden bridge that has logs across it. And these logs are not fastened down. And I have pictures, sometime I'll show them to you. And you can see these logs, they are flying up in the air because this truck is rear-wheel drive, and they're dropping in the river, and there are villagers that are going down and getting those logs, and they're trying to put them back up on the bridge because they want to charge you to cross the bridge because of all the work that they just did. And I'm seeing this at 21 years old, and I look at the missionary, and I'm like, I'm going to walk across you can drive the truck. I'll just be standing on the other side. And if anyone knows Mike Brandt, it was hilarious because he's like, no, 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 we're not paying. I'm like, oh, really? He says, watch this. And as that truck was going across, we start going down to the river, and we're carrying the logs up. He, he's, he's helping the villagers, and he, he's showing that, hey, hey, we're putting effort in here. You're not, you're not going to charge us. And uh, anyways, we finally get to our destination. And uh, I I learned the hard way now that I get elevation sickness. I didn't know that at the time. And so we're staying at the top of this mountain. And what we didn't know is we thought Mike was going to bring our blankets. He did not. Wendy and I froze to death that first night. We're staying in this bamboo hut on this bamboo woven bed. And we can hear underneath us. Again, she will confirm everything I'm saying you can hear the rats running underneath the bed. It sounds like, you NASCAR fans, it sounds like the Daytona 500 going on underneath the bed. And I am sitting there, and I don't realize at the time it's elevation sickness, but as they're running those laps, my head is also doing those same laps. I'm not not feeling well. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I have to run outside and... I am like a fire hydrant and I can't stop throwing up. I also that night woke up the entire village because I am I'm a violent puker. Okay? So the entire village is just awake now. And I remember like it was yesterday. I'm sitting there, I'm struggling. I've got no fluids in me whatsoever. And I'm just thinking, if I can just now get some sleep. I just need some sleep. And the pastor's wife comes over and she's speaking in her tribal language and someone else is interpreting. And I'm just thinking with that carnal mind, just get me some sleep. I need some some fluids, some sleep. I'll be good in about three hours. She basically said, You of little faith. And laid her hands on me and prayed for me, and immediately I felt better. And that phrase, you of little faith, stung. It was like, I just came halfway around the world. I think my faith is pretty good. It wasn't. It wasn't. When we trust in his power, when we walk in faith, God is going to bless. And, he, and Jesus goes on that he promises these blessings that await in the kingdom for those who endure. And I, I want us to understand that as he gives these beatitudes, he is saying that when you do these things in faith, okay? I want you to apply that phrase in faith to all these things. Because these are promises for those who endure. Listen to this. The first one says he blesses the poor. What Jesus is saying is God looks down and sees those who have financially struggled and have had to live without or scrape to get by. And I I am thankful that I serve a God who notices that. Amen? Amen? I serve a God who notices that, and that when we travail through life and our time on this earth, He makes up for it in eternity. But something else I noticed: the poor are usually rich in spirit, and so material wealth often it, it, it leaves people feeling empty. But those who go without and have to trust and rely on God. spiritually rich. Listen to James chapter 2 verse 5. It says, listen to me dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? The next promise that Jesus makes is that he blesses the hungry. I still remember in the early 90's The images coming out of Ethiopia and the starvation that was being faced there. Imagine just for a moment. We think we know hunger in this country, but we don't. We don't have a clue. Imagine scraping by just to get a morsel of food and being happy about it. Being satisfied. Children dying because of starvation and malnutrition. And what we are learning here in Scripture is God will give them a feast in eternity. Jesus goes on to say, God blesses those who weep. Church, I want to tell you, God is a witness to your torment and pain. He is not only acknowledging it, he is prepared to do something about it. Aren't you thankful for that? How many people acknowledge your torment and pain, but they don't do anything about it? God is preparing to do something about it. Many of you are thinking, God, you could go ahead and do that now. But let me tell you, God is focused on the end goal. He wants you to live in happiness and peace forever. Not just for a short time. Lastly, Jesus said God blesses those who are mocked. God sees those who are mocked, ridiculed, and tortured. He particularly noticed those who suffer for his name's sake. Listen to Romans 12, 17 through 19. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. God hears the cries of his people. He hears the cries of the persecuted and the martyred. And he says, I will repay. And so many of us want those answers right now, right now, right now. But God thinks differently. And he is showing that his kingdom is so much different than than this earth that we're on right now. Jesus instructed this through the rich young ruler. You know, as Peter hears Jesus telling this rich man how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, Peter starts to wonder that if he has given up everything to be with Jesus, what am I going to get in heaven? Listen to Jesus' response in Matthew 19, 27 through 30. It says, Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Seems backwards, right? It, it, it doesn't make sense with our human reasoning, but Jesus states almost the same thing in an illustration about the share of heaven with others who believe in the parable of the vineyard workers. I, I don't know if you've ever heard that, that parable before, but basically it's the, they're getting hired for a day, and there are people hired at the beginning of the day, people hired in the middle of the day, people hired near the end of the day, and they all get paid the same wage. And the workers that were hired at the beginning of the day are saying, well, that doesn't seem very fair. And Jesus is explaining how heaven works. And he said in Matthew 20, 16, he said, so those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. I want to apply this better for you those who seek to be first on this earth will find themselves being last in eternity. For all the blessings you and I can receive in this life, it's clear we are better off being blessed for eternity. Amen? Amen. There are so many people who are like, I want to live a blessed life now. And I argue if you're obedient to God, you will. But it's going to be a different kind of blessing than what you might imagine without living in faith. And here's the other problem with modern day Christianity. We shouldn't just be in this to seek rewards, amen? Must yes. say that again, because it needs a louder amen. We shouldn't be in this just to seek rewards. Yes. Like it is some sort of competition, but church, we will be rewarded in heaven based off this life. We will be rewarded. And right now, it's not about what you have and what you don't have that is going to determine eternity for you. It's about what you do with what God has given you. Matthew chapter 25, verses 33 through 40. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of this world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. God is looking down. And and if you're struggling right now, I want you to hear this. God is looking down. He sees your struggle He sees your pain. He knows when you are being taken advantage of and he knows when others hurt you. But he also sees when you have plenty and you live in neglect of others. God is looking down on us and he is wondering where do they place their value Is it in earthly things or is it in heavenly things? Because here is the consequences if we place our value in earthly things. Jesus goes on to make a list of sorrow that awaits those people. And I call this promises to those who indulge in the earth. The first statement he makes is he says there's sorrow that awaits the rich. Jesus made it a point with the rich young ruler, it is incredibly difficult for the wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. You guys remember that, right? So think about it in these terms, because it's really hard for us to understand and wrap our minds around. When every care and every desire we have is met by things obtained in this life, it's difficult to see a need or rely on faith in God. And so here's a good litmus test for you. It's exactly found in the command Jesus gave the rich young ruler in determining on whether or not you are living a rich, blessed life and you are threatened to inherit eternity because of your possessions. This is the litmus test. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler. He knew his heart. That was the issue. He knew his heart. And he said, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, sell all your possessions. And it said, he left there sad and walked away. Guys, eternity was right in front of him. Eternity was within grasp, but he realized, my possessions are too important. He did not value Following God over things. Church, when we cannot let go of what's material, it is going to reveal the true treasure of our hearts. Are you hearing me? When we can't let go of what's material, it reveals the true treasure of our hearts. And so if God has made you wealthy, because I do not believe it's a sin to be wealthy, so so hear me out. Let's separate those two things. But if God has made you wealthy, it should be important to ask, what can I do For God's kingdom. Is everything I own open and available for God to use for his purposes? Because God states, if you embrace your riches, that's all the happiness you'll have. And i got to tell you, the length of time on this earth versus eternity, I choose eternity. The next thing, Jesus promises, he says, sorrow awaits the gluttonous. Do you know gluttony goes well beyond a full stomach? It goes so far beyond that. It is about overindulging in life. Hear me out, church. Shame on us if we have plenty and we hold back from those who have nothing in our lives. Amen? Amen? Shame on us. That is why Jesus illustrated in Matthew 25 the importance of feeding the hungry. And church, I am telling you, spiritual hunger is far worse than any physical hunger that you and I will ever experience. Because one day there's going to be an eternity in hell, an eternity void of the Spirit of God, and they're going to know what true spiritual hunger is. He also says sorrow awaits those who laugh now. I've had some laughs this morning. So you might say this is kind of puzzling. But what Jesus is saying is when your joy is found only in this life and the things of this life, it breaks the heart of God. What he wants you doing is God wants you longing for his promises and what awaits you in eternity Then he says, sorrow awaits those who are praised now. You know, Jesus illustrates this very well in Matthew chapter six about people who like to pray to get attention. He was talking about the Pharisees at the time. He's like, there are some that love to just stand on street corners and pray so that everyone can hear their great prayers. He says, that praise is all they'll ever get. But those who pray privately in their closet those who do it alone, because they seek to honor the Father, not themselves, they'll be rewarded. And so, if you solely seek to get accolades and attaboys here on earth, then God's got nothing for you in eternity. I want you to hear that. He's got nothing for you in eternity. He says that's the praise you're going to get. But if you seek solely to please him, to make him happy, great rewards await you. Church, he wants your hearts driven for the kingdom. He wants your hearts driven for the kingdom. So let's take joy in the things that make an eternal difference, amen? Let's take joy in those things. To be kingdom-minded means that we need to be all in. We need to be fully committed. Brian, and if you could come up and play your guitar. I don't know if any of you have ever played poker. I'm looking in a room where you're like, Pastor, we shouldn't be talking about this right now. And I've never played poker for money. I've played poker for candy. And there are many times that I believed so much in the hand that I was dealt I pushed it all in the center. I said, I'm all in. Sometimes I lost all my candy. But there were a few times where I was able to go like this and pull it all in. Right? And God, He wants you to be all in. He wants you to trust and believe in what he says and know that great things await you if you do. So you're looking at the hand you were dealt. Some of you really believe in that hand. Some of you don't. You might be saying, I want to I see what's on, on their hand. I'd rather have... What they've been dealt. But that's not how my God works. My God says, this is the hand I've dealt you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be all in? Or are you going to hold back? Church, I choose to be all in. You're looking at a man, and Heidi, if you could also come. to Church, I've moved into a phase of my preaching where I don't talk about too much personal stuff, and I think it's more impactful when you just open up briefly. Because some of you know my history really well, some of you don't. When my oldest son was born... I had many expectations on what God was going to do in my life and ministry. And I didn't know how much autism would wreck me. And so here I'm looking at my son and. He's nonverbal and he has tons of needs and I, I don't understand how to take care of him and I'm sitting there questioning everything God's done in my life and, and I'm wondering what value that I can provide. I'm asking questions like, what value can my family provide? My, my, my son, there, there are hindrances in his life that I never expected and I, I expected life to go differently. And for years, what we did was we hid ourselves in our home. And we were convinced we had nothing to offer. And all we were supposed to do was shelter our family. I hid my faith under a basket, as Jesus would describe in Matthew chapter 5. I hid that light. I thought, God, the hand that you've dealt me is not fair. It's not fair. And I wasn't using it. I wasn't saying, Father, I'm all in. And now what God has done in my life, and it's been a process, it's been quite a process over the last 20 some years. But what God has done in my life is he has said, okay, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust that even if this world hurts you when you step out, I'm there for you. I'm leading and guiding you, and it's not going to hurt as bad as you think. I'm going to be walking with you. And you're going to see that when you choose to just use the hand that you've been dealt, I'm going to show you how I'm going to bless and use that hand to an even greater capacity than you could ever imagine. And then you're going to get to the point where you don't even consider the hand you've been dealt anymore. You just know that I'm with you no matter what you go through, and no matter what, no matter what you're dealt, you're all in all the time. Church, that is what God is calling us to. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want our prayer altar team to come forward. If you're a leader in this church, I want you down here this morning. Because I want you to be available to pray with people. Some of you have been looking at the hand you've been dealt. And you're saying that this is not fair. God wants to change your mindset today. God wants to change your thinking. And so I'm inviting you, as you bow your heads, you just keep this personal between you and the Lord, I am inviting you the opportunity to claim Christ fully and his purpose fulfilled in your life and declare I'm all in and come up and seek to have your mindset changed as Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 tells us not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by renewing of your mind. It's not that everything in your life needs to change it's that your mind needs to change. That's what Jesus was doing when he showed them the kingdom.